Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, Peter, fantastic to have you along on the podcast. It's literally a couple of days before Christmas. Have you got any exciting plans for the Christmas period? Well, Richard, thanks for first of all for having me here today. I'm really excited about having having a nice chat with you. Absolutely, I've I've got some time off over the break, some well-earned time off after this, this year. And my wife and I and my daughter are going overseas for a couple of weeks, early January. So we're looking forward to that. Middle East is the destination. So okay, whereabouts in particular? Dubai and Egypt. Never seen the pyramids, so. Right. We're looking forward to to, uh-huh. to that and a little trip on the Nile, perhaps. Excellent, and uh, and so and Dubai on the way through. Dubai on the way through, I think there's a couple of souks that my wife and my daughter want to get to, and maybe want some gold purchase. I'm not sure, but <laughs> see, so, yeah, we go. <laughs> well, what do they say? Happy wife, happy life, right? That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Peter, just to sort of get started, tell us a little bit about your your current professional responsibilities. So I'm the executive chairman of Omni. Omni is the largest specialist fire engineering fire protection company in Australia. And in my role as the executive chair, I oversee the ethics of the business, the obviously the chair, the, the board, the overall direction the company's taking, and some key some key business decisions that I assist with the other directors um, and other senior management. That's, that's and the, you okay. And you founded that business back in 2005. Actually, we started in 2004. Our doors opened on 2nd January 2005 after the six-month lead-up to set things up. And, you know, if we can indulge you, it's an interesting story how we first started, if you're interested. There was myself and a, and, a, and a fellow partner. We had two mobile phones. We had two laptops. We hired a Xerox photocopy machine and... I, I was in the back of a friend's law firm practice, and he gave me a, those green leather in, in my desks with the, with the timber drawers down the side. And oh, that was yeah. my desk. My business partner had a credenza who had to pull the doors open to put his knees in to, put, to use as a desk, and that's how we started. <laughs> right. So straight away, you you know you had the elite, you had the position in the business. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, we'll come back to a bit more about the story of Omni later in the call. But so, Charles, for those people who are not familiar with what you mean exactly by fire safety, you know, explain that to us. Okay, so we we wear two hats at, at Omni. I'll start with the uh, the easier one first, which is the fire protection services designers. We're consultants. We don't do any installation. We design fire sprinkler systems, fire detection systems. Foam suppression systems, special hazard systems, and we just and we do that for all market sectors except for houses, basically. And so that's, that's one hat we wear. I take that hat off and I put on my fire safety engineering hat. And fire safety engineering can easily be described, perhaps, as the computer modelling of people and fire and smoke, with the view to a generated alternative way to comply with the building codes. Well, it sounds very boring, but it's actually really sexy, Richard. Right. And so, okay, so basically you'll do the design, but you don't actually do the installation work. Yeah, correct. We're, we're consulting engineers. We wear right. shirts and ties. 
Sure. Again, yes, as the people who can't see, but you know, Peter is always immaculately dressed in a beautiful shirt and tie, unlike myself. And so, Peter, give us a sense of you know the size of the business now. You know, where are you operating? How many people have you got? What kind of clients do you have, etc.? So we've been we've been going for nearly eighteen years now, and uh, we've built the business up to operate on the east coast of of Australia. Yeah, we have affiliates over in Chile, America, Canada, and the UK. And we have a team of approximately 56 people now, which in fact, like I may have mentioned before, is the largest specialist fire insurance sure. protection company in Australia. We have plans for growth, so we're going to get bigger. Our largest office is in fact in Brisbane. We have a, our next largest office is in Melbourne. The presence on the Gold Coast and, and Sydney is right for the next step. On this growth. Okay, excellent. And when you you mentioned you've got these international affiliates, what do you mean by that? What's the relationship there? So I, in, on or about two thousand and eight, we were doing work for a, a large international company, and I, I was the Asia Pacific fire engineer for that particular company. There was also South American, North American, and Europe slash UK, and they were so those other fire engineers were like-minded, they were specialists, they weren't one of these big behemoths, global companies, and we worked for them, and we we got to know each other very well, and, and we found out we're actually quite similar in our views, in our ethics, in our quality, and I gen- generated an MOU between all parties, and we signed up for the MOU and basically share knowledge, share fire protection stories, pitfalls, new initiatives, and uh, we've even shared some intel on clients for a uh, cross, cross-border type approach, being, for example, our Canadian friends in with the big hospital job in Toronto. Um, right, in okay. So that's, that's that. I didn't. I just want to come back. I don't think I answered your other part of question about sort of the size of Omni, but our clientele. Yeah. And so our clients are, you know, typically tier one, tier one builders, tier one end clients, T1 architects. We operate in the operational line of the building and construction industry. Um, that is not to say we, we don't do some smaller projects for the, the right type of clients, but we don't do houses, like I said before. Sure. And, and we operate across all market sectors. Yeah, Defence, we're doing a lot of work in industrial sector, uh, residential on the fire engineering side specifically. Yeah, and so it's a range of different sectors and, 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 and moreover, the, the health and certainly in the next years is going to be huge and 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 then you've got the overlay of any olympic work both in victoria from the com, com games but also the olympic for brisbane 2032 okay fantastic well let's come back to a bit more about omni later in the conversation but peter keen to understand where it all began so tell us a little bit about you know where you were born mum and dad brothers and sisters and let's have a a a, a delightful journey through your career history wow okay so I, I'm from European descent, born in Victoria, yeah. um, a place called Ivanhoe is where I was born, but I basically grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, Mornington and, and actually in Mount Arthur. So whereabouts uh, were your parents from in Europe then? So my dad's German and my grandfather's Yugoslavian, and it's a little bit like Romeo and Juliet. He was a freedom fighter and she was from a high-class German family, and they got together and then the high-class German family kicked my grandmother out, and then they moved to Australia with my dad. Um, okay, right. 
Yeah, just after the war, yeah. World War Two. Okay, so, so they got here in sort of the late forties, did they? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, in any case, I was brought up in Mount Martha. My dad left the family unit when I was six. Right. Uh, my mum was a, a business uh, woman, and um, and so she taught me a lot about um, business. In fact, she had her own company in a, in a technical side from pumps and tanks. Uh, wow. Okay. And at the age of, he was probably surprised here, but at the age of 10, I actually started my first business. Right. And that was a local car washing, lawn mowing, window cleaning, babysitting, which I wasn't very good at. I was employed as a, a waiter for dinner parties. And I got so large that I actually had to employ one of my friends. So I'd do a car for eight bucks. I'd, I'd take two off the top and give him six and we were all happy. Right. So, that's how I first started. And you said that was in the Mornington Peninsula, was it? That was at Mount Martha there, yeah. Right, okay, sure. And brothers and sisters? Uh, no brothers, no sisters. I'm an only child. I'm not uh-huh. sure where you get old from that. But, uh, right. Uh, so um, you're, in, you're an entrepreneur from the get-go. Yes, and then went, went to Mornington Primary School, Mornington High School, a lot of friends still in Mornington, and uh, ended up being accepted into Monash University to do a double degree in mechanical engineering and computing. I received an honours degree in, in that course, those courses. And then I couldn't get a job. That would have been late, so early 90s. Yeah, and, I remember um, it well. The recession there. And you know, I, I worked at Safeways or Woolworths as it's called now. And we had the most educated, casual staff, I think, in Victoria, had accountants, engineers, teachers, because no one could get any work. And, then and so, was- that's so interesting, Peter, because I graduated in 92 as well. And at the time, I worked at Woolies. So I knew we were kid. I knew we were kindred spirits. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not. One thing I didn't do was trolley, trolley boys, it was called. Cool. Um, oh, really? Sure. Yeah, I was in a deli department. Uh, I was in, I was in parcel pickup. Parcel pickup was where they'd sent the naughty boys. Okay. <laughs> how, how, how appropriate then. And then, fortuitously, I recall earlier I said that my mum was in pumps and tanks and I couldn't get a job anywhere. And she uh, she knew this guy, right? Being like how a story starts with, knew this guy. Well, he, he ran a fire pump manufacturing company and he put me on. And I wish I had kept that paycheck. I think for a month it was like a hundred a week, maybe $110. And I got my first paycheck and I worked there for a few months and worked with a lot of fire trade contractors then. And at the same time, I started another business as a pump distributor. As my mum's business was winding down, I took on the distributorship roles on the side and I, I reemployed my mum to, to work in sales for me. And I ended up getting some good distributorships where I would have a region, which was the Mornington Peninsula, for mm-hmm. the pumps. And I'd get a call from the, the wholesaler and I'd say, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a client. All you need to do is pick it up from a courier and deliver it to them and you can make 40% profit. I said, wow. that's, that's, that sounds like a great idea for a 6.95 courier to get from Doncaster <laughs> to, to Rosebud. And, and and so I had that business for a number of years actually as well and concurrently with my working in the fire pump business. But then, Richard, I, I had the carrot dangled, I, I suppose, and I ended up going to a fire trade contractor and he was one of the most unorganized people I've ever met. And the good, and, and in his company, I did everything. I did design, I did procurement, I answered the phones, I, I did deliveries, I did pickups, I helped out with finance, and I was probably 20, 
I don't know, what was I, 23 years old or thereabouts. And so it was a great exposure. But the one thing that was absolutely awesome is that he taught me what not to do. So I learned from him in business what not to do so that I can actually do it better when I grew up. And so, Peter, what was the attraction to fire? I mean, obviously, you know, your mum had a pumps business, but why, why did you sort of gravitate to working in that space? Well, I guess opportunity. I mean, again, 92, no jobs around. I, I, I tried for a number of jobs and I, and I got close, you know, top two or top three, and I just didn't crack it. And I saw, you could say, I just fell into fire. So, yeah. and then... Then I start to to talk to people in the industry. So so when I went to this this contractor, I recognised I did some more training. So I went and did a course at Swinburne TAFE, and I was a little bit, I guess, different than the rest of these students there who were typically from the trade. Mm-hmm. And my lecturers identified me as a potential employee in their day jobs as consulting okay. engineers. Right. And so I was tapped on the shoulder there, and and then I went to consulting engineering. Right. This is where it's probably interesting to, just to point out, and I think the young kids of these days might not see that given the environment, but I took a 25% pay cut to go into consulting. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I wanted to invest in myself. I knew that the pathway forward was, in fact, the, the best way for me. And it's not just about money. It's about when you're younger. It's about you know, laying the right platform. And that's what I did. I'm very proud of the, the path I, I took there because I was investing in myself and that then led me to work on some much larger, more you know, heavily engineered projects, shaping projects at the start rather than rather working contracting. And and so I worked there for a couple of years. There was a company called Scott Wilson and Erwin Johnston, now called Erwin Consult, sorted up by WSP actually years ago. So then I was asked to, at the age of 26, join a company called Minehearth. Mm-hmm. It's still around today, big, big multinational engineering, multidisciplinary engineering company. Basically, to hit up their fire section, and that was a that was a big that was a big step up. If you can, you know going from working at a small fire pump manufacturing company in Dandenong, on Victoria into the St Kilda Road in a big engineering office, big corporate uh, office, age 26, people who are twice your age reporting to you. Um, but I had some great mentors mentors there. Yeah, unfortunately, both of them deceased now, but Ross Murchie and Bruce Matthews. And Bruce took me under his wing a bit. And he saw that I had maybe the, you know, the gift of the gab and liked the the sales process of, of engineering as well. And uh, he was exceptional on that. And so he taught me a lot as well. And yeah, grew that grew that business. I worked on some you know, some significant you know, projects again. And then this CEO of, Lincoln Scott at the time reached out to me and asked if I could lead their fire group Australia-wide in 1998-ish, I think it was. And, yeah, and uh, ended up taking that position. And, yeah, that then that was that was a step up to the plate. And, and in fact, the, the person I was replacing in between my appointment changed their mind. So now they've got him and me in the one job. Oh, and so he... He was exiting and you were going to replace yes. him and then yes. he decided not to leave. Yes. Well, that, yes. Could, that must have been an interesting dynamic. Well, 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 what they did was they said, okay, well, can you look after basically the whole, the, all the other offices internationally, Peter? Right. You, you become the group manager. And I worked well with the other chap. We're still friends to this day. And, and, and that was that. And I worked there for a number of years. 
maybe he's been stuff. He maybe wasn't in 1998. But, uh, uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, I think you stepped into that role in 2001. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and exited in 2004. Yes. And so in 2004, there was a couple of things that happened, some minor, some three major, three minor. I won't go into details now, given this is going very public. It's suffice to say I wasn't in avid with some things that went on. Yeah. And and I thought, you know what? I'm going to start my own business here. And I approached another chap, recognising I don't have skills in some areas. And I thought, you know, from a union yard and coming together, that we would have a very powerful business. So middle of 2004, we started discussions. And like I said, 2nd of January 2005, doors are open for Omni. Now, just on Omni, you might be thinking, how did you come up with that name? Well, I'm glad you asked because he's here. <laughs> Omni, we wanted, Marcello Abachi is the other fellow director, still director of his day. He, we wanted a company that didn't say our surnames, that didn't say fire, and was one word. Right. And his, his sister was a branding consultant. So I remember I went around to Marcello's parents' place. They were all there. And I sat in the beanbag and I opened up a dictionary. I was just going through the words and the, and the, and the word Omni. Oh, in, in with one eye stood out. Right. It turns out that's sort of the Latin word for omnis, meaning all. And I was thinking, well, we do all the fire stuff. So, right. Surely we have omni. So, we all settled on the word omni. And that was our company name, right. one eye. And then we went to register the domain name, and someone in Queensland had already registered that. So, we said, you know what? Let's make the, the word nonsensical. Let's add another eye. And in a, in a geeky type of way, the two eyes are the two. Original founding director standing side by side resolute. So, right. that's wow, that's again, again, another you know beautiful comparison to my business. So when I started my business, I didn't want to call it Triggs Recruitment because I didn't want it to be about me and uh, my business partner at the time. You know, we were googling words like success and fulfillment and achievement, and up came this word Arachne. It's like, oh, what does that word mean? And Arate is a Greek word, not Latin, but Greek. It means the fulfillment of one's full potential. And we thought, oh, that's a cool name because, you know, that's what we're about. And, and yeah, so um, there you go. Omni and Arate, two great stories, huh? Absolutely. Good idea. And so interestingly, let's just backtrack a little bit. So you go, okay, I'm keen to do my own gig, but I recognize that there are some gaps that I don't have. So you did this sort of, you know, self-assessment of where your strengths were. So what what were the gaps that you wanted to fill? So basically te- technical gaps. Recall, and I'll tell you why. Recall I said uh, at the age of 26, I was appointed and accepted the job to run Mindheart's fire section. Yeah. Well, the, the, the good thing about that is, you know, you, you're getting promoted you know, quickly and you're getting exposed to lots of things. But the downside is, I missed out on about 10 years of being a senior engineer. Right. And that came with technical acumen. So you, whilst, kind of, you kind of accelerated through that period. Yes. And I, I often wondered if I didn't have some of the opportunities, I mean, I, I think I could have been one of the best fire engineers te- you know, from a technical point of view in Australia right. if I didn't have the fork in the road and choose them the management marketing path rather than the technical sure. path. And, and that's just, I'm surmising, maybe I wouldn't be, but I'm I'm thinking that that's the, so from a gap analysis, when I came to thinking about starting a business, I've got some strengths, but I've also got some weaknesses. My weaknesses were on technical side. Marcello Abachi was the perfect fit and, and, and he has skills that 
I don't and vice versa. And so I, yeah, we, we got together and like I said, you know, when you do a gap analysis and there's a perfect fit, overlaid that, Richard, with, you know, we just get along well, you know, and, and we ha- and I, I don't think we've ever had an argument in 18 years. Right. Wow. So Peter, when you look back on that, is there any remorse? Like, do you think, oh, you know, I wish I'd gone down the more technical path? Uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, I, I really enjoy what, what I'm right I'm doing and i and i've i guess even you know harking back to the starting a business and, and knocking on people's doors and trying to get a a sale of a, of a car wash or a, a sale of a window wash yeah and by the way i used to be paid in stamps sometimes as well because i was a stamp collector <laughs> not um, feed stamps no just, just <laughs> postage stamps so you know I, I, don't, I don't regret that at all i don't right. Well, no, it's, a, it's a little bit like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, isn't it? You know, Steve... wait, 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 are, you, are you comparing me to Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak? That's a great uh, accolade. Look, you're obviously far more handsome than Steve Jobs, and uh, you are, you don't wear black. But uh, you know, I, it's the kind of same thing. You said, you know, they met, and Steve Jobs said, "Look, I'm the entrepreneur deal maker, and Wozniak, you're the the sort of expert engineer slash computer scientist, and let's play to our strengths and build a great business." And, and, and yeah, that's absolutely correct. So yeah, we, we've done that. And then over the years, you know, we've, we've kind of looked at that as well as on the, you know, from gap analysis and, you know, round egg, square hole, that doesn't work. Let's, let's keep the right fit for, for people. That's the, that's the desire. We can't, you know, you can't make people do things that they, they, they just don't put at it. It won't work long term. Yeah. And so, and so again, so you go, okay, cool. So I'm going to focus on, building the business and the sales and so on. But then you go, okay, well, if I'm really going to do that, what are some of the skills that I perhaps haven't developed yet around finance or around strategy or, you know, that are going to round me out as a, a true, you know, business leader? Did you think about that or did you just kind of learn it as you go? Probably a little bit of both. I learned it on the job early being exposed with the the managing director and, and, and other board members of mine, Hart, Lincoln, Scott. Yeah. So I learned a lot from them on the job and I had to step up to the plate. One of the unique things I probably haven't disclosed is that whilst I have an honours degree in mechanical engineering and computing, my subjects in year 12 were two maths, but I also had accounting and physical education. Right. But so there's no way I get into engineering now, but right. back in you know, back in the day, I, I, I could. Yeah. I've loved finance and accounting, and, and my mother also taught me about ledgers when I was ten. I, right. I was I was doing some basic, very basic accounting then. I've had a I I love finance and numbers, so I've a natural you know bent to to gravitate to to that. Yeah, um, and so but that's but you can't just rely on you know a natural gravitation. I did the CEO, oh, sorry, the, the company directors course, and I'm also been involved in the CEO institute six years as well. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm not really interested in doing a whole bunch of new education. I've topped out because I got to do some postgraduate st- technical studies, believe it or not, in fire engineering as well for a couple of years. That almost killed me. And but I, but I really want to hone in on you know, uh, understanding. You know, the, the finance and, and sort of the leadership aspects. And then again, you know, we have other people in here who can see things more clearly than I, and I, I engage with them, you know, when I, when I can. Sure. Okay. Excellent. And so, Peter, obviously, Omni, you know, 18 
kind of 19 years now. What were some of the key milestones along the way? Okay, well, we all think about our first employee, which happened a couple of months after we started. In fact, the first month, my wife at the time said to me, Pete, what are you doing? My child and I worked all month and we invoiced $2,500. I had one child at three and another one at two at three months and thought, wow, what are we doing? But we we, uh, we start off and, and we never look back after a couple of great months and yeah, we've never run an overdraft. The milestones, though, would be after about 18 or so months, we opened up a Brisbane office and it's been going to this day. And I, I started in my you know, my study, which ironically is the same study where I worked from home during COVID. Right. So, so that, that was a milestone, opening up the office here in, in Brisbane. We opened up an office in Perth, you know, early or late 2010, I think it was, 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was good, but it's just a long way away, very parochial. And yeah, probably learned that I should have shown a bit more, more love to the uh, to the, our, our staff member over there. It's, like I said, it's just a long way away. A few years ago, we opened up our Sydney office and Gold Coast office as well, and that's going and that's going really well. The other milestones, though, is on the on the people side. We've got, we've attracted some really strong talent into the business, and I think it's because you know maybe a bit circular, but the Engineers typically want to engineer and they can't engineer on a, a three-story walk-up apartment every day of the week. They want a hundred-story tower. They yeah. want to work on an aircraft hangar. So those bigger projects that, that we sort of that we get from some some good sales and marketing procedures has really helped us out to attract the the, the talent. And, we, and and you know, I'll give you an analogy. You remember the film Oliver, the old film Oliver, when 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 Oliver goes up to the at the very start of the movie, goes up to the guys and he's shaking, and goes, "Please, sir, can I have, can I have some more?" Yeah, and they go, "More." Well, in this, in the analogy is that we would we would at the very start go up to a, a, a candidate or recruiter, I'll be shaking, it's like, "Can you please, please, please come work for me?" Right, right. Fast forward, fast forward to you know maybe. It's changed a bit in the past couple of years, but fast forward to you know, 15 years in the business, people will be sending resumes in. Can you please work? We, we work for you. We work for you. We work for you. So it's, it's, a, it's interesting how that's changed and, and in the evolution of the business, Richard. Yeah. And so now that you, are, you say, look, we're the largest player on the East Coast in this space, and obviously you, you, you know, you're working with some you know, very tier one clients. What would you say is your unique sales proposition? Why why would organisations work with you rather than one of your competitors? So most of our competitors are multidisciplinary. Let me start there. The fact that we've got the offering of fire protection and fire engineering and we package that up together, it's a little bit like the golden thread that Dame June Hackett talked about from the the, the Grenfell tragic fire over in the UK. Oh, yes. And that is, yeah, the, we, can, we can undertake the fire engineering, but then typically... Our, competitor, our competitors who only do fire engineering can't then take that project through as the outcomes of the fire engineering, which is 80% of the, of the fire protection services vis-a-vis the you know, fire sprinkler design or fire detection or alarm design. So that, that, that's a really strong flow-through of, of, of pipeline and work. Like that, and that sets us apart, I suppose. The other thing that sets us apart is, you know, the, a lot of the multidisciplinary companies or competitors, they might have a team of, they might have a leader and they might have one or two people. Well, our depth is such that 
you know, we've got, I look around the office and, and we've got a multitude of people that from a workshopping, from a devising a strategy, devising bespoke solutions um, and, and doing it with a commercial overlay that a lot of engineers don't have. And that's something that I've instilled in the business. That it's okay to be a consulting engineer and an engineer is, you know, one, one part of the equation, but how do you be a great consultant? And mm. what's, what are our clients looking for? They're not looking for always the textbook answer in, 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 a, in a slow time frame and not considered, not having the economics considered, um, OPEX and, and CAPEX. So that's, I guess, the thing that sets us apart at, at, at Omni is, is we've got a really good commercial acumen for our solutions. Okay. And what about, you kind of alluded to, you know, we started almost begging people to join us and then it got to the point where we had, you know, a lot of uh, people coming to us saying, can I please come and work for you? Obviously, we've been through COVID. We're now in this kind of post-COVID environment. What, from a cultural point of view, how, how would you describe the culture in order to, you know, attract and retain top talent? So I guess over the past three or four years in particular, we've really ramped up our internal aspects within Omni. And what I mean by that is we've appointed a people and culture person. We've appointed other other people with a range of diversity, both in, in, in gender. And that and that really that really enables us to look at our work with blinkers or, or blindfolds off. We have a, a culture of caring. We, we offer you know, benefits to our um, our team members that are in the upper echelon of some of you know, the bigger companies, international companies offer, you know, ranging from leave, a special hotline for support, you know, and, and, and the activities that we, we do day to day and week to week for team building exercises. We invest a lot of, of our time in training, technical training, and also soft skills training. That consulting and, and engineering being a an amalgam of two, two words to make that term. We have a culture of, of quality. We are... We are hardworking and we get the runs on the board. Well, that's excellent. And certainly what I've noticed from the time that I've known you, Peter, you're very invested in client relationships. You run a lot of events and you do a lot of things to really, you know, keep your clients closed and keep them engaged and build a community and so on, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Well, it certainly has helped along the way. I mean, one of the one of the things that I've said for many, many years, you can't do the job unless you've won the job. So you can have the best engineers in the world, but if you don't have the projects that one, one the projects and two, the appropriate project projects, yeah, then you'll lose the talent there as well. So yeah. it's, that, it's that golden thread, Richard. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges for your space. I mean, certainly some of the larger players will say, look, we need to demonstrate to our potential client that we've got the team. But we can't employ the team until we win the project. And, uh, and so it's this kind of no man's land about, you know, how do you, um, how do you circumnavigate through that, particularly in the current environment? Anyway, so it's now like literally almost the end of 2022. When you're looking forward into the future for Omni, what are the kind of things you're excited about? I'm excited about the, the, the new people coming on board in early 2023. We, we've, uh, we haven't, luckily enough, or maybe we make our own luck, compared to a lot of other companies, we've actually retained a high level of staff. Relatively speaking, yeah, you know, there has been some attrition, but that's that's more than normal in this day and age. So I'm looking forward to some new staff members joining us that we've secured. Number one, mm-hmm. number two is I certainly know that there's some great projects that we've secured. I've just written 
my yearly start of the union address, okay. which I'm happy to share with you confidentially. Are we going to call you President Bloddick? <laughs> In any case, I am actually president of another company that I have. Oh, sure. but, so looking forward to some some really good project work and that'll, that'll you know, keep the, the team interested, engaged, and, and our competitors just won't have that. I'm also looking forward to really consolidating at the upper, upper management level and starting to implement the, the, the FY23-25 strategic plan that we've developed. And then there's some great things that are going to come out of that. So, you know, we're a little bit corporatized now, Richard, I must say, right. and I'm liking it. Well, you certainly, you know, you're bringing some great people around you, including a mutual friend who's, you know, helping you from a sort of advisory perspective. So I think it's a you know, it's a very exciting time for the business. And what about personally, Peter? You know, you mentioned you're about to go on holidays, but what are the kind of things that you like to do outside of work to, you know, keep the petrol tank petrol tank full and, you know, keep you enthused about everything that you're doing? So I, my wife and I do like to travel. We, we, we are, you know, I'm happy to share, but, you know, we don't have a bunch of houses. We've just got a house that the bank still owns. We spend our money that we earn on on travel and, and some nice things and going after dinner and looking after the kids. So to that end, in early March, I'm doing my pretty much annual trip to Whistler because I'm an avid snow skier. Yep. And so... Um, Triple black diamond if I'm not, I'm not confused. <laughs> you are. It's, it's, it's only double black. But oh, anyway, only double. Is there such a thing as a triple or is it just double? <laughs> not to my knowledge. I was just getting too enthusiastic for you. Uh, that's okay. So... so so like like that, you know, my 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 twenty one year old son just been accepted in a, a job in, in cybersecurity in Canberra, okay. so that's really exciting. My daughter's just finished year twelve, did exceptionally well. She's going to study journalism and law at UQ next year, so I'm looking forward to you know helping helping her out with, with you know whatever she she needs there, which is probably just space and a and, and me ferrying meals to her room while she's studying, right. Um, and yeah, there's some travel, but my wife and I also love to garden. Right. So, yeah, nice, nice play to pot around and, and do some work on the weekends. And, right. and then and then to finish off, we'll have some, you know, nice uh, dinner. My wife's in Indonesian and she's a great cook, but we'll go out for dinner and then just chill on the couch, watch Netflix. That's excellent. And Peter, one of the things I forgot to ask you about, but I know it's something that you're quite excited about, is your the the technology side of your business. So, yeah, I've got, I'm invested in a couple of other businesses. I own a co- other couple of software houses and software companies. That, that also keeps me a little bit busy. I'm surrounded by some great people in those businesses also. I acquired a own calculation software company in 2019, and I've also got a startup company, which we haven't hit the market yet, so it's on a next-no basis, but the rest right. is short, and it's going to be awesome. And watch your space, everyone. Excellent. Well, look, Peter, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a great holiday and all the success with Omni. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you over the last year or so. I know that we've, we've hung out a few times and I think there is very bright indeed for you. Well, thanks very much. And I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. I, I think you'll probably get, I'll probably get exposed to maybe six million of your followers. Oh, God, that's in the first day, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a great afternoon. All right. Thanks very much. All right. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Arate podcast with Richard Triggs. 
We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 or via email richard t at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.